And welcome inside Sportsnet today on your Wednesday. Good morning. My name is Matt Rose in for Ryan Pinder this week. This hour is brought to you by Wild Rose Brewery. Proudly brewing their beer right here in Calgary. Visit the tap room and restaurant in the Curry Barracks or find your favorite Wild Rose beer at bars and liquor stores around Alberta. Got a pretty jammed hour coming up for you before we give way to the Merrick Show. Eric Erlinson, the Lightning Insider, covering the Tampa Bay Lightning for the past 22 years, going to join me in about 25 minutes' time. We'll discuss a disappointing end to the season for the Lightning and what comes next. Less questions in Colorado, but certainly still some questions if they want to continue being a dominant force in the NHL, uh, as they certainly hope to do. And right now, very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, been a while since I've had a chance to chat with our next guest, Tommy Wielden Jr., the head coach and general manager of your Cavalry FC. Good day, Tommy. Happy Wednesday. How do we find you, and where do we find you? Have you made your way out to the coast yet? Uh, no, actually, just driving to uh, the airport now, caught in a little traffic and caught in a little rain. So uh, I do apologize if there's a bit of background noise, but uh, just heading now to get on the plane to go to Vancouver Island. Well... Off to uh, try and keep this streak going, an eight-game unbeaten streak, and it uh, continued with a 3-1 to victory over FC Edmonton at home this past weekend. Excellent crowd as well. Get to that in a moment. But just thoughts on uh, your club's victory as a whole? Yeah, I think you just said it there. We're on a good run. I think there's a lot of confidence within the group. Um, people are you know, playing well, playing for each other. The back line keeping the ball out of the net as much as they can. And the front line is always a threat to the opposition. And between it, I think we're having some nice play with and without the ball. Uh, so, yeah, it's just it, it makes our lives easier as coaches where we're just having a little tactical nuance here and there based on the opponent we're facing because we know the guys are in a good place. You had uh, two goals scored by Arabin Peppel. Narrowly missed an early header as well for the hat trick. But what have you liked from his play? A guy who's getting a little bit more time with some injuries on your club. Yeah, you know, he's good. We signed him as a 16-year-old back in 2019. And, you know, what we found with young players, you've got to give them time and got to give them experience. And sometimes they just have to be patient. And, you know, he had a year away going to Spain. And when he's returned, he's come back a man. And I think through these, uh, you know, shared experiences, he now appreciates the time he's having now. He's, he's like anybody who wants to give him the opportunity to rise and challenge. And, you know, I think when you talk about statistics and records, I think he wants to go into Thursday's game being the first CPL player to score in five games in a row. And I think that's the type of mentality he's got is he always wants to strive for something next. And uh, he's been great. Can you tell us a little bit about the crowd? I uh, heard it was the best crowd you ever had and for Pride Night as well. We'd love to see that. Tell us about the group of fans that you had supporting you down at Atco Field over the weekend. Yeah, I, th- I think it was, uh, it was the most ticket for a regular season game. I think we've outsold it in playoffs and Canadian Championship. It was uh, just a great show event, um, a great celebration of the Pride Night. Calvary Association had their event with it. And what was great for Calgary Minor Soccer was, I think there was four or five players on our starting 11 that come through the Calgary Minor City. Body feels connected to the club. It almost feels like we're kind of picking up where we were in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the experience everybody's having at the game, it's becoming remarkable. So, you know, those that haven't been to a game, 
make sure you, you you find a way this summer or fall because you know you'll you'll be wanting to come back because it's it's such a great atmosphere at Spruce Meadows. Next couple games are on the road for your club. Then it will be back home, and highly recommend that uh, fans find a way down to Adco Field to go catch a game. But uh, eight games unbeaten, CPL record. It's uh, senior club climb right to the top of the table. What has kind of gone into this eight game unbeaten streak? And are you ever going to lose again, Tommy? <laughs> Listen, I think uh, in a league of parity, you know, it's uh, there's there's a loss there somewhere. Um, but it's how you respond to it. I think we've always been one that are able to deal with, you know, things that don't go your way. And that's the tough thing is, um, you know, we didn't win in our first three games, which was a new uh, thing for us and the staff and the players. We didn't change much other than maybe our lineup, our principles, our habits, our consistency, our belief. That stayed the same. And I think when you show that level of resilience and consistency, um, results were always going to come. We knew how good our roster was. And we've had to show that because of the injuries that we've had, the depth in what we've put together in the off-season is, is showing now um, in times when we need it. So look, we always approach each game as it comes. We know we're playing against the champions in Pacific at their place. So we're expecting a really good game. Yeah, can you set this game up for us? Uh, I know it hasn't necessarily been the, the best action for Pacific lately, but nevertheless, they're right behind you when it comes to the standings. Can you set up this game, that uh, this match that'll go on Thursday night? Yeah, they're the, they're the reigning champions. So we're going into their turf on good form. They're on bad form. But I think this will play like a, almost a bit like a cup game where, you know, they need to play us because they've got to raise their standards. You know, but we're, like I said, we're going in there with confidence, but not, not arrogance by any means because we know it'll be a, a hard-fought game. And, you know, they always are, no matter when we've gone to Starlight Stadium. So we're expecting a really good game and it's a great time to play them. And the last one I just wanted to ask you about, do you have any injury updates that you can kind of give us uh, as you set out on this uh, two-game road trip? Yeah, so the only one missing, Mason Trafford's uh, picked up a suspension after four yellow cards, so he's out. But we've got jean Agnès Lassie coming back in, um, and then there's no other real change to our uh, roster that, that faced Edmonton. Really enjoy the time today, Tommy, as always. Uh, hey, safe travels, good luck out on the coast, capturing another win, and uh, we will... Uh... Look towards next week to catch up again. All right. Thanks, Matt. Take care. There you go. It's Tommy Wielden Jr. He is the head coach and the general manager of Cavalry FC. An eight-game unbeaten streak. They're getting set for this match against Pacific. It's going to go Thursday night. And uh, very much looking forward to what else is going to happen this season for that group because uh, it's been quite the turnaround. Wasn't an outstanding start. But things have certainly uh, turned around and gotten a little bit better for that group of late. Wanted to uh, just touch on a little bit of Stampeders content because you know I got to uh, when we got a little bit of extra time to kill. And I know the Stampeders are on a buy, but yesterday it was Malik Henry who was announced as one of the top three performers of week number three. The others being Nathan Rourke, who in his second game this season threw for over 400 yards. And then the other was Willie Jefferson of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers who had Tackles, sacks, and a pick six in week three. Malik Henry, the, the third member of the honored, 173 yards receiving. He caught six of eight passes, had a, a key touchdown grab after the Cam Judge interception in the second half of the game. That gave Calgary their very first lead of the contest, a lead that they would not relinquish. Malik was really a big part of that. And it was interesting because it was a tale of two games. First half, he takes a, a penalty, an offside call 
that wipes a 40-ish yard reception for Reggie Bagleton off the board. Calgary ends up having to punt as a result. Then later on, he catches a pass, starts going upfield. Looks like he might even be able to break a tackle and, and run to the house, but instead the ball gets popped out by Dion Lacey, who was outstanding in that game, by the way. But the ball gets popped out. Edmonton recovers and former Lake Henry. That's kind of one of the things that he started about talking when we got the chance to catch up with him post-game. A man, a few words is Malik Henry, but he talked about how he wasn't pleased with himself after uh, a costly turnover in the first half and obviously adapted in the second. The fumble early on kind of made me angry. Teammates telling me to stay in the game and yeah, came back in the second half and made a couple plays. Was it a situation where you kind of need your teammates to pick you up yeah, after a tough one? For sure. Always. So what your teammates are for. I wanted to ask you as well about, uh, I want to say it was the last big game you had where both scrambles out of the pocket mm-hmm. and he's kind of directing traffic. I think it's a, just can you kind of take us to that play? Oh Yeah, that play, it was, um, so I had a go route. I was running the go route. Um, Bo told me to go this way. So I kind of flipped my, flipped my shoulders and made a play. Great throw by him. I don't know. Number, but you got at least 170. When was you? Yeah, 170. 173. Yeah. <laughs> so you know. Uh, when was the last time you had 173 yards? Actually, my first time. Yeah. So, yeah. I also wanted to ask about uh, the interception that Cam Judge gets, and then you get the touchdown on the very next play. What's going through your mind after Cam picks that one off? It's time to score. We're down. We needed the play. It's time to score. Very businesslike. And that's what I like from Malik Henry. He's kind of the, the third guy when it comes to the American receivers right now. You got Reggie Bagleton, you got Kamar Jordan, who are both very solid in that game. Kamar Jordan, four of six passes caught, only 20 yards, but some key catches. And then Reggie Bagleton caught four of five passes for 77 yards and had another big one taken off the board, so he would have surpassed 100. But Malik Henry is kind of the, the outside guy on the offense, third fiddle to those two. He's got the blazing speed. And now he's starting to show some chemistry with Bo Levi Mitchell, who had another great game going 21 for 28, 321 yards passing, didn't have an interception, threw a key touchdown to Malik Henry. The play after Cam Judge recorded his first interception as a member of the Calgary Stampeders, a key play with the Stampeders, able to walk away 30 to 23 victors. And and that was a a massive part of it. So a hat tip to Malik Henry, who gets named as a, one of the players of the week. And not the first time that uh, the Stampeders have had players of the week. Renee Paradis and Titus Wall after week two as well. So the Stampeders getting a little bit of love from around the league. And that's what we like to see. As mentioned, this is a bye week for the Calgary Stampeders. But we'll still have four games on the schedule. And it'll get going on Thursday with a doozy. Nathan Rourke heads to Ottawa to face the Red Blacks. 5.30, that one's going to start. Rourke has been very impressive. Both the weeks he's played, because BC had a bye in week two, he's been a performer of the week. Both weeks he's played, he's thrown for over 400 yards. Both weeks he's played, he's thrown for four touchdowns. Now, the interesting wrinkle here is that Brian Burnham, one of the stud receivers for BC, punctured lung, fractured ribs in game three, hit the six-game injured list, so he won't be available. That's a big-time weapon for the Lions that Rourke won't have at his disposal. You know, when you talk about Kamar Jordan and Reggie Bagleton being one of the best tandems at receiver in the league, 
Brian Burnham and Lucky Whitehead are one of the tandems that kind of go neck neck and neck with those guys. But losing Burnham for a long extended amount of time, that that's a loss for sure for the BC Lions. And then you got Jeremiah Masoli, who's been throwing for a lot of yards and has looked better. But you play the Winnipeg Blue Bombers the first two weeks of the season, get hung up for a couple tough losses. They had a bye in week three, and they're at home this week. This one feels like it should be a victory for the Red Blacks. But the Lions have looked really good so far. They've looked really good so far. I just don't see it. Like the the Red Blacks just can't score. That's the. They but they've been close. Like they can move the ball this year, which was not the case the past two. Well, yeah, the the solid quarterback in Masoli healthy will help them out. Adding a guy like Darvin Adams will also help. And Jalen Acklin is the Jaylen I think Acklin as well. Has been great to start, but. Yeah, they're, they're committee receivers, right? They're not. They don't have like when when we're talking about Burnham and Burnham and Whitehead, Bagleton and Jordan, you know Walker and Lawler. I don't know. Well, Shaq Evans and Duke, Duke and Williams, Evans, yeah. and then Winnipeg is Ellingson, Ellingson and Dembski. You like us? Dem- no, Dem isn't. Yeah, Dembski's still there. You got oh, hurt, Darvin though. Adams. Darvin that Adams went to that went to Ottawa. I always get Dembski and Lawler confused. I did that in an interview with Raheem <laughs> Wilson earlier. Oh. Just because they used to play together. Yeah. And I don't know why, but hmm. there you go. Jeremiah Masoli, 27 for 38, 331 yards uh, in their last game against Winnipeg. They've played the Bombers twice. Yeah. Like, yeah, you want them to score more, but they played the Bombers the first two weeks of the Defensively, season. Defensively, they did well on Winnipeg. They yep. held Winnipeg in check both times, especially with Winnipeg could not run the ball at all. Um but I good on Ottawa. I mean, I, they're looking better. I know they're zero two to start, but they've already mm. felt a lot better under a second year with Police and this system in Ottawa. And listen, I don't know if if you'd been able to retain Andrew Harris if the run game would have been better because I think at this point in his career, Andrew Harris is one of those Harris, guys that I think really excels at closing out games, and not just, necessarily getting you a lead. Yeah, and he struggled this past weekend in in uh, against well, BC. There, everyone so, struggled. Yeah, in BC. so like that's why I'm like like. W- w- well, they they're ha- Winnipeg's having trouble running the ball, but are you going to pay the the big contract to a thirty five year old running back? I get Toronto needs the names, they need the big names, aging in Winnipeg as well. Yeah, like it's it's a team like they had they had to keep Willie Jefferson, they had to keep Adam Big Hill. That defense is the key to the success in Winnipeg. Offense, well, we'll see what Olivier can do here coming up. But he had a little bit of a show in there against Hamilton, got a touchdown. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Do you play CFL fantasy? I have not played in That's a long time. Frustrating, bro. I can see it, like with the nine teams. It's it's, it's yeah, bad. it's basically daily fantasy. Yeah, right. But I don't like how they budget. I basically every week I have to leave a position empty. Yeah, I remember listening to you and Patty talk about like how the algorithm they do and the pricing is not the greatest. I don't love it. I don't love it. Oh well, that's too bad. I'm excited for the NFL fantasy season. Well, that's for sure. I you know I have a I have a draft mm-hmm. tonight. What? Yes, it's a it's a is keeper league. Is it that league. time of year? Not it's if you're in a keeper league. Like when is probably, week one? Well, Seventy one days away, I think. My goodness! But it's a keeper league, so what we do is we're just drafting the rookies that were just drafted into the league. Wow. So we kind of do that. We draft them and we draft like free agents, and then we do trades and that's we really, have big rosters. That's so. really intense. Oh yeah, right on. How long does that take you? The draft. I, this one, like tonight. not that, it shouldn't be that long if everybody's pretty quick on their picks. Mm. Probably two hours or so. Mm. Mm. So we'll see. Mm. Yeah, 
we got a prize to give away in the next segment. Did you know that? No. Yeah. I got an email yesterday that said, hey, I got a prize for you. You want to give it away? And I said, yeah, give me that prize. Well, let's do it. It's Wild Rose related. That's oh. all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. I got a trivia question after the break. Eric Erlinson, the Lightning Insider, is going to join us after the break. The question might be related to the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then before 10 o'clock, we're going to give away a, a Wild Rose related prize. How about that? Mm. Is this something that you could use for a long time and be very happy with it? Yes. Oh, okay. Even better. That next, Sports at 960 of the Fan. All righty, we are back. Sportsnet today brought to you by Wild Rose Brewery, proudly brewing their beer right here in Calgary. Visit the tap room and restaurant in the Curry Barracks or find your favorite Wild Rose beer at bars and liquor stores around Alberta. We're going to chat with Eric Erlinson coming up in just a moment, the Tampa Bay Lightning Insider. But first, we got a prize to give away. Got an email yesterday that said, hey, hey, Matt. Can you do a giveaway for me? We got a mini fridge from Wild Rose Brewery. Ooh. There we go. How about that? Perfect little addition for the man cave, for the cabin, for, I don't know, just your backyard, I guess. You put it in your kitchen. It's a mini fridge. You can go anywhere. It's literally mini, so you can just fit it wherever you want. So here's the deal. I got a trivia question for you. Uh, we're going to be talking to Lightning in just a few moments. So here is the trivia question. And go ahead and send your answer to 960-960. That is the text line. That's how you can get involved with the show at any point. And I'm going to be looking for the answer there. Tampa Bay has been able to continue winning by drafting, developing, and continuing with the core group of players. Stamkos, Kucherov, Point, Hedman, Vasilevsky, Palat, Kalorn, Sorelli, all drafted by Tampa Bay. So my question for our audience for a Wild Rose mini fridge prize, who is the longest tenured player on the Lightning? Who is the longest tenured player on the Lightning? I gave you a hint there. He was drafted by the Lightning. Getting another ring here, his third. That's not much of a spoiler. Everyone I listed gets a third, but nevertheless, we'll give the answer at the end of the segment. Uh, I know Eric knows the, the answer, so we're not going to ask him, but we'll get there at the end. And Eric Erlinson from uh, lightninginsider.com joins me now down the Alice Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Eric, thanks for taking some time. How are you today? Uh, trying to find some rest, which is uh, hard to find <laughs> over the past couple of months, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, you must be used to it now, These this two-month marathon that is the postseason, the Lightning going back for a third straight time of course you covering the team for 22 years uh are you are you tired do you find ways to sleep do you is it energy drinks how do you go through the rigors of this for a third straight season well you know what was different about this year mm. we could travel yeah yeah right? because 2020 was in the bubble um you know i did go to new york and florida last year um you know for rounds one and three but this year, you know, I got to go to the Stanley Cup final last year because of the restrictions. It really didn't make any sense to try and get to Montreal for those games. Uh, so it's, it was trying to get the body used to that again, right? Like there was actually mm -hmm. a couple of nights where I didn't go to bed because you have to catch an early morning flight, you know, whether it was back to Denver, whether it was back to Tampa. So, uh, yeah, you, you find ways to adapt pretty quickly because, um, you know, look, those experiences, uh, even from a media standpoint, don't come along too often so it's been pretty uh it's been pretty grueling but it's been a lot of fun and a very enjoyable experience 
And I bet you would agree with me. I find that whenever I am like, man, I really just need two hours of sleep here. No chance. <laughs> no chance. Not falling no, asleep. No, no. Never works. Um, nope, it doesn't happen. Use the airplanes to sleep. Yep, sure. There you go. The, the sitting up sleep. What could go wrong? Uh, <laughs> one of the more jarring parts of the end of the postseason, Eric, is the list of the injuries from the teams that went to the final and the list of the injuries that they played through. And the Tampa Bay list that we saw on Tuesday was formidable, I would argue. Uh, can you just tell us some of the more notable injuries that were piling up and alien some of the Lightning players? Well, uh, how about Anthony Sorelli playing through a couple of shoulder issues, including a separated shoulder he, he dealt with uh, in Game 4 uh, against the, the Avalanche in the Cup Final. So he played Games 5 and 6 with a couple of shoulders that might require surgery. Um, you know, we all saw the hit that Nikita Kucherov took uh, in the final, ended up with an MCL sprain. Same thing with Nick Paul in the same game, suffered an MCL sprain. Um, Pierre-Edouard Belmar played the entire playoffs with an MCL sprain in his knee, Corey Perry suffered a shoulder injury in the uh, conference finals. Uh, Ryan McDonough blocked a shot with his hand, and uh, as Julian Brisebois described it, a mangled finger oh. uh, that he played through the entire cup final with. I mean, and, and look, I, I, I have to believe there's actually a couple of more along that lines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at a guy like Alex Kalorn who didn't have the production. He had no goals in the playoffs. And this is a guy that had no fewer than eight in any of their Stanley Cup runs. Uh, he ended up with zero uh, Victor Hedman at times didn't look like himself. Uh, so I'm sure the list that they actually revealed were only the ones that, you know, were really hard to push through. Uh, but other guys, yeah, it's, uh, it's an incredible laundry list. Uh, I, look, I know Colorado was dealing with some stuff too. Certainly we know about Burakovsky and what Mazum Kadri was dealing with, but we know that there were other guys. You never hear about the injuries from the winning team, right? It's always what the losing team had to push through. But, you know, what's amazing is that, with everything this team has accomplished and going for that third cup and these guys pushing through all of those injuries, it, it look, we all know it, but uh, hockey players are just a different breed of athletes. They sure are. Uh, and I, you, you kind of mentioned there with Anthony Sorelli maybe requiring surgery. With the list of injuries, do we know if there's guys that are going to have to undergo stuff that keeps them out of training camp, keeps them out of the start of the year? If, if anyone right now that we're aware of, it's going to be Sorelli. Uh, obviously, the injury to Braden Point um, ended up being a torn quad muscle that he suffered there in Game 7 against Toronto, tried to come back. It, it sounds like his is just rest and recovery. Uh, doesn't, don't, don't anticipate that having to lead to any sort of procedure that would keep him out of training camp, so he should be ready by the time the team gets there, And uh, which probably only going to feel like a couple of weeks, but it will be a couple of months <laughs> before uh, training camp opens up. Uh, you know, and out in uh, in Tampa. So, um, it, it, look, other things might come along. You know, we know that. Uh, but as of right now, Sorelli might be the only one that might be in jeopardy of missing some time to start camp or even the season. You'd mentioned Braden Point as well. Uh, obviously resonates with our audience here in Calgary, him being a Calgary product. What impressed you the most about his presence around the team? Because as you mentioned, like, he tried to play through a lot of stuff as it went on, but he wasn't necessarily able but it was his presence around the team that I thought kind of had a, had a role in itself. They kind of call him Mr. iPad. Uh, you know, <laughs> if, if you watched game seven against Toronto, you know, he tried to come back after the injury. Obviously, he just took that one shift and couldn't do it again. And he stayed on the bench for the rest of that game. And he's like, he's one of those guys that grabs his iPad as soon as the shift is over. And he wants to see what happened. Like he wants that instant feedback. Well, he was pulling out the iPad on the bench for the players. Okay. This is what I saw that, you know, so it's, 
it's such a great atmosphere, culture, whatever it is you want to call it uh, for this team. Uh, and he's a big part of that. So even having him around, even just being on the ice for practices and trying to work his way back, you know, it, it is inspiring. And, and there were a lot of inspiring stories coming out of this run for this team and his ability to try and come back. And even if though he know he knew he probably wasn't going to be able to play, especially after game two of the final, he was still there helping out. And, uh, you know, that's just what this team is all about. It's, 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 it's cliche to say, but it, it is a family atmosphere in that locker room. And, you know, there's a lot of teams, they, they do fight for each other and to have him around helping out even in that capacity is just, uh, just another byproduct of what this team does. How do you evaluate the postseason for Nikita Kucherov as a whole? Because there was obviously the the highlight plays and and some really key goals for the Tampa Bay Lightning. But was it like that for the entire course of the postseason? For most of it, you know, he's for any player of his caliber um, and the way that he thinks the game and sees the games. There are moments you're like, well, what is he doing there? You know, I, I think back to Game Two against the Rangers and you know, the turnover that led to eventually the, the game-winning goal for New York in that game. But then you look at, you know, the play to set up Andre Palat's goal in game one of the final, his play to set up Palat's goal with 40 seconds to go in game three against uh, the Rangers to make sure that they don't fall behind 3 nothing in that series. I mean, he's got such brilliance to his game uh, that sometimes you have to understand there's going to be things that nobody else sees that he does that he's going to try. Um, you know, and look, he didn't have as productive as he had the past years. I mean, he'd been over 30 points each of the previous two runs uh, to a championship. I think he finished with 26 points, somewhere in that range. Uh, still led the team. Um, and he's just, uh, he's just uh, sometimes when his game is on another planet, uh, nobody has un- any under- understanding of what he's going to do except for maybe a couple of the guys that played with him for years. Um, so overall, I, I would give, uh, if we're going to put it on a grading scale, you know, probably a, a B plus to an A minus for his uh, postseason this year, where the past two years have been A pluses. How about Steven Stamkos? He's one of my absolute favorite players in the league. I know he was on the list of uh, was on the list of injuries, but it was great to see him just leading the group in the capacity that he was able to. Uh, I can guarantee you this: he's got some bumps and bruises, and, and probably some mm-hmm. very dark bruises <laughs> from some of the shots that he blocked. Um, you know, the one word that you, you kind of think of with what he did for this team this year from a leadership standpoint is just inspiring. You know, he's he led the team, well, he's second on the team in goals. He set career highs in goals and points in the postseason this year. Uh, but it was the face-offs. It was the, you know, the, the being out there and, sh- and, sh- and blocking shots. I mean, game two against the Florida Panthers, I think he left the ice three different times after blocking shots yeah. or being involved in one of those type of plays and, and just kept coming back. And, you know, when you see a guy of his stature, uh, his star power, his, the face of the franchise still 14 years after he was drafted, doing those things, it, it really is inspiring to his teammates. And, and, and we, know all, we know that from, you know, being around the league and being around hockey players. It, it, just, it just brings everybody up that little extra inch or anything on the bench and understand, okay, he's doing i got to go out there and do the same thing. And to, to watch his entire career, obviously it's been a treat for me, you know, from the day he was drafted to what we see from him now, the, the maturation as a person, the maturation as a leader, uh, everything else in his game. Um, you know, and you think of the injuries that he's had to deal with throughout his entire career. Uh, you, you root for guys like that, right? Like you, you want to see guys like that have success. And, you know, they didn't hit the ultimate goal this year, but uh, certainly wasn't from a lack of trying and a lack of leadership from Steven Samkos. 
Talking to Eric Erlinson here on uh, Sportsnet Today, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Lightninginsider.com is where you can find all of his work. I think that some fans have the sentiment that the Lightning and their fans shouldn't be as disappointed as maybe other teams that get to the cup final and lose, having won two cups in two years prior and then getting back to the final. But that's really not how this group is wired, is it? Not at all. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think eventually at some point, everybody on this team, uh, and, I, and I've already seen it from the fans, they'll take that step back and, and understand what the last three years have been and fully understanding that the window doesn't close. This, the window did not close with this loss to Colorado. But watching them perform, you know, being the first team in almost 40 years to make it to three straight Stanley Cup finals, you know, Edmonton in 83 to 85, and having the opportunity to be that first team since the Islanders is to win at least three consecutive Stanley Cups in an era where every series now is best of seven, in an era of the salary cap, and in an era of the flat cap on top of everything else, um, there's going to be a great understanding of what it meant but it doesn't take away the sting from the moment. And, you know, you could read it and see it in the players' faces when they talked afterwards. Uh, even the exit interviews, you could see that, you know, it's still pretty fresh and still pretty raw. Um, because losing, losing, right? It doesn't mm -hmm. matter if you've won before. And, and in actuality, from a player's standpoint, it probably hurts more to lose when you have had so much success, right? Like it kind of cuts maybe a little bit deeper uh, because you understand and know what the feelings are of winning a championship is and you were so close to it again and you fall short of that ultimate goal there's 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 sting there and you know and maybe that is something that you know they use for fuel again next year because you know this team is going to come back pretty much intact for the most part and, and give themselves another opportunity to uh, kick that uh, kick the can again yeah and, and john cooper had a response to a question after the lightning you know lost in the cup final and to paraphrase the question, it was along the lines of, can you keep coming back to the Stanley Cup? Can you keep running this thing back? And John's answer was an emphatic, we're not done. And I think that's very reasonable to believe when you look at the contracts for the upcoming year. Obviously, Andre Palazzi, UFA, to a lesser extent, Nick Paul and Jan Ruda are also UFAs. That has to get sorted. But apart from that, they can basically run back a very similar team. Yeah, because those three guys you mentioned, and, and I guess we'll throw Riley Nash in there too because he ended up playing about half mm -hmm. the postseason games as well. Those are the only UFAs, and there's no RFAs, right? So yeah. they don't have to worry about the restricted free agents. So there's no bridge deals or anything else like that to have to worry about. And, you know, and, and you, know, you, you got a Steven Stamkos coming off his career best in points, right? First time he crossed the 100-point threshold in his career. Victor Hedman had the best offensive year of his career. Alex Kalorn, the best offensive year of his career. And all those guys are 31 years old, right? So they're still at the peak of their careers. You know, Nikita Kucherov just turned 30. Braden Coyne is, what, 26. Anthony Sorelli is 25. Uh, and most importantly, Andre Vasilevsky is only 28 and everything that he's accomplished in net for this team. So, uh, you know, and they've got Perry for another year and Belmar for another year. Maroon signed his contract extension. You've got another year before Sorelli and, and Sergachev and, and Chernak and those guys' contracts are up. So there's no doubt, especially next year, what this team has the ability to accomplish. But even a couple years beyond that, you know, maybe before age starts to catch up with them. And then the bigger picture in terms of the salary cap situation, assuming the cap does go up after next season, it should take a significant jump. And that should do nothing but help teams like Tampa Bay 
be able to retain a Mikhail Sergachev and an Anthony Sorelli and those type of guys when they come out of their, their you know, these bridge deals. And, you know, and Tampa Bay has shown historically that they will pay those guys when they come out of those bridge deals, you know, Kucherov and Point and Hedman and those guys, they'll all go got those big money ticket or those big money contracts coming out of their bridge deals. And it creates an interesting conversation around Andre Pallott because he's someone that the Lightning drafted. He was a seventh round pick that just ended up being an outstanding player for the team. You know, maybe comfortable in the middle six, but obviously in the postseason showed that elevated to a top line role is absolutely no problem for him either. The trend in Tampa suggests that they'll find a way to keep him, but what are maybe some of the creative things you could see Julian Brazebois doing to facilitate him staying uh, down in Tampa? Well, he could take a massive home team discount, which I guess you can never discount, um, you know, just because this is the only organization he's ever known and, and how much he loves it here and the opportunity to remain on a championship team. You know, I, I'm sure the PA wouldn't like that idea. You know, they like these guys when they have the opportunity to find, you know, those free agent contracts to go out and, and land them. Uh, but, you know, Palazzo guy, I could certainly see doing that. And, you know, maybe Julian has a potential of a trade of somebody, you know, it's, if, you know, Alex Kalorn's name has been kicked around the last number of years uh, as somebody who might have to, you know, part ways with to kind of open up some salary cap space and everything like that. So there are creative ways that Julian could get it done. But at the end of the day, if, you know, Andre Pallant really wants to stay here, he takes a team-friendly deal, makes it work, continues to, you know, because he's made a ton of money in his career at, at this point even. Um, you know, and, and we'll throw Nick Paul into that too, right? Nick Paul yeah. is kind of in that same boat, right in the same price range, maybe a little bit under the potential price range. But again, the PA probably won't like how Nick Paul's stock rose this year and how much it could mean for him on the open market. Uh, but I can tell you this, there's been whispers that he's out looking for a house and, uh, you probably don't go out looking for a house at this point if you don't believe you're coming back. So uh, I, I think there are some creative ways that uh, Julian's going to be able to get this done and keep most of this team together. It is that time of year, isn't it, where uh, having a realtor in the neighborhood is not necessarily a bad thing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they might have one on payroll, yeah. <laughs> considering <laughs> the number of guys that they need to keep around, right? <laughs> Love that. Uh, oh, my last question for you, Eric. Uh, in situations like this, sometimes there are young players that can come up and make the jump, but Tampa hasn't made a ton of high draft picks lately with uh, you know a lot of the deals that they've made to bring in elite-level players. You usually have to move out a first-round pick. Are there any prospects that you could see kind of knocking on the door to come in and give some of the cap relief in the sense that they play well on an entry-level contract? They don't have a ton of guys who would you, you would consider maybe blue-chip prospects, um, you know, but they have a, a Cole Kepka um, who just finished his rookie year in Syracuse, came out of Minnesota Duluth, uh, scored 20 goals this year for Syracuse. Uh, Nick Perbix is a defenseman he just signed out of St. Cloud State. He was a huge part of the success that that team had. He signed his contract as soon as his year was up um, in college and, and finished out with Syracuse and, and, and made some pretty good strides in a very short period of time on, on the back end. Um, so those are the two names that kind of jump out at you. Um, you know, they're waiting on a guy like Sammy Walker. Sammy Walker was a former, I think, sixth-round draft pick, seventh-round draft pick a number of years ago, just finished his fourth year in Minnesota. I know the clock is ticking uh, on his status uh, to try and get him under contract, but he's a highly skilled a uh, really quick skater, really fits the mold of Tampa Bay. If they can get him into uh, the fold a little bit and give, an, uh, give him an opportunity, he's a guy that could knock on the door pretty quickly. 
Eric, really appreciate the time today. Uh, enjoy the off season, although brief, when you go to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, love the work. Appreciate your time today. All right, thanks. I appreciate it. Be well. There you go. That's Eric Erlinson. You can find all of his stuff, lightninginsider.com. He's also Lightning Insider on Twitter. And uh, as mentioned, 22 years now covering the Lightning, and uh, that's three long runs for Eric uh, covering the group over the last handful of years bubble shortened pandemic season and now the full thing ends up uh coming to an unfortunate end if you're the lightning but alas all things do tend to come to an end in that sense earlier uh we did ask a a trivia question we're giving away a wild rose brewery mini fridge and the question itself is who is the longest tenured player on the lightning and i was hoping to fool a few of you on the text line because Alex Kalorn was drafted in 2007. He went to Harvard for the next four years, didn't sign his contract with the Tampa Bay Lightning until prior to the 2012 season. The year after Kalorn was drafted, Stamkos was taken first overall at the 2008 draft and made the immediate jump to the NHL. So it is Steven Stamkos, who's the longest tenured member of the Tampa Bay Lightning, but I was hoping to see a little bit more Kalorn on the text line I think I only got one or two, you know, the odd uh, Andre Vasilevsky in there. Some uh, some joker texted in Zach Bogosian. That's not oh, true. Vincent LeCavalier. Yeah, and the, uh, the texter brought up a good point. If it was the current longest tenured player, the longest in franchise history, and then it would be well, yeah. Vinny. But that wasn't how I worded it, so that's too bad. So, uh, nevertheless, congratulations where did I have it? I just I just sent the winner off. Justin, here you go. Adabi. Great job, Justin. Our promo team will be in touch with you probably next week, if we're being honest, uh, because tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, day off, next week. They'll look at uh, getting you that Wild Rose Brewery mini fridge. They're the people that sponsor this outstanding program. Sportsnet Today, brought to you by Wild Rose Brewery. Proudly brewing their beer right here in Calgary. You can go ahead and visit the tap room and the restaurant in the Curry Barracks. Find your favorite Wild Rose beer at bars and liquor stores around Alberta. Big thanks to Eric Erlinson and also to Tommy Wielden Jr. Make sure you catch the Cavalry. They'll battle Pacific FC Thursday. Coming up next right here on Sportsnet 960, it is the Jeff Merrick Show. Just after 10 o'clock, Elliot Friedman is going to join the program. And Elliot's had a couple of tweets this morning, uh, certainly interesting. Earlier, Anthony DeClaire, the Florida Panthers forward, suffered an Achilles tendon injury during offseason training. Timeline uncertain, but he scored 31 goals in 78 games this past season. That would be a big blow for Florida. Also signed for two more years at $3 million per. He also had another one... uh, couple hours ago. A couple other notes to keep an eye on. Sounds like things are intensifying on the Kevin Fiala front, and we could also get clarity on Boston's coaching situation today, and a few other insiders have thrown out the name David Quinn, formerly with the New York Rangers. So Elliot will have the latest on that coming up in about 10 minutes' time. Other guests on the show today... 10.30, Kevin Allen from Detroit Hockey Now and Hockey Buzz talking all things Red Wings. They also have a coaching vacancy to fill. And you wonder if one of the 
Tampa Bay assistants are in line for that position. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN joins Merrick every Wednesday. That'll be at 11 o'clock. And then Sam Cosentino, Sportsnet's NHL draft analyst, and does a ton of great NHL coverage as well. Going to join the show just after 11.30. As the Memorial Cup wraps up tonight, 4 o'clock, that'll get going. St. John taking on Hamilton. A couple of Flames prospects playing for St. John and Yannick Kuznetsov and Jeremy Poirier as well. So enjoy that one. We'll talk to you tomorrow, buddies. It's going to be a big one. Get here early. 6 a.m. is when we're going to kick it off with Boomer in the morning. You don't want to miss it. Right here, Sportsnet 960 The Fan.